If I didn't have to wear clothes, I probably maybe wouldn't. Hello, and welcome to Good Bad Show. My name is Andy. And I'm Matt. This is a podcast where I tell Matt about something that I like sometimes. Or you tell me something you don't like sometimes. That's also a viable option. Sometimes you tell me about a Garfield or a cooler. It was very hard for me there to not do that thing I recognize that I do every beginning of the episode where I just say the same thing you said back to you. Yeah. Like I had to like stop my mouth from doing it and think real hard and think, don't say that thing, say a different thing instead. It seems like not a problem though, because we do say basically the same thing at the beginning of every episode. It's our intro. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to level with you, Matt. Okay. Tell me. I'm a little sleepy. <laughs> That's okay. I'm a little tired. That's okay. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, I got a dog, which is exciting, personal news. Uh, it's been a few weeks now, but, you know, still getting used to that dog life. Getting up earlier because dog is up doing dog things. Yep. Um, so, you know, in, in, in the fact that I'm a little weary, I had to choose a topic that I knew I could get excited to talk about no matter what. It's just my excitement for the topic would overwhelm any dreariness, uh, any, any, any sort of... Uh, lethargy that's overcome me well i don't know much about star trek but i'm excited too that is one of the options <laughs> but we're talking about the other option matt which is magic the gathering okay well i had i had two i had two directions to go i picked one i picked the wrong one if you had picked the other one you would have been right okay uh the star trek episode is going to be that's going to happen in the future that one i have to do some research on i want to come to that episode prepared to like tell people that are interested where to start prepared to like point to some resources uh, and I'm, I'm not quite prepared to do that one just off the cuff, but magic, mm. magic, my man, I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you, uh, you get together with your friends just to draft magic stuff. Sometimes you yes. travel long distances just so you can go to the store, buy some magic packs and play a game you played when you were 12. Well, let's be clear. I was probably traveling just to see you and that was an added bonus, but that has happened. Sure. So I feel like we should give a, a general breakdown of what we're talking about for people that may not be initiated uh so magic the gathering is a trading card game it is the og trading card game it invented the idea of trading card games which is something i did not realize until semi-recently when i was reading about the history of the game uh so you know before this seems silly to say but the idea that you would buy a game at a game store and it didn't contain the exact same pieces and components that somebody else that bought that same game at that same game store or a different one was a totally radical idea. Uh, right. And so there was introduced some randomness in sort of the games you got. And the way the game works is it's a trading card game. Uh, it's been around since the early 90s. And so at this point, there are 16,000 different cards or something. There's a lot of different cards uh, in existence. And the game is played out uh, with these cards, and you construct your own deck uh, of various types, depending on what format you're playing, and lots of nerdy details. It don't really matter. But suffice it to say, you get to choose from a subset or all of these cards that have ever been printed, put a deck together uh, that matches either your personal self-expression or the way you want to play the game, and then you can play your friends uh, in, in this card game that uh, is great. Mm -hmm. um, so. I want to talk a little bit about the mechanics of the game because I feel like uh, accepting how much I love this game has taught me something about some of the rules that I may at, at some point have sort of assumed to be true of all good things that this is very much upsets that balance of. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I also just want to talk about the act of loving a nerdy thing like this because it is about, <laughs> a nerd, about as nerdy a thing as I think you can love. Uh, I think that's I have, true. I struggle it's to think there. of something more Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons, is that more nerdy? It might be. Given historical uh, context, that's the only reason. Yeah, fun fact, the uh, the guy that 
started the company that sold Magic the Gathering and still sells it to this day. Talking Not the guy wizards. that designed the We're game. talking about Wizards. Uh, I'm talking about Wizards of the Coast is the name yeah. of the company. Um, so the guy that owns that company, uh, he liked Dungeons and Dragons so much, and Wizards of the Coast was originally a role-playing game, so they made games like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, that eventually when Magic got very popular, he just bought Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so now <laughs> Wizards of the Coast owns that as well, because he just liked it a lot. Uh, so there is certainly some overlap in those hyper-nerd communities. Um, so, is that an official term, hyper-nerd? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Um, Matt, you've played the game before. Yes, I um, played. I played a lot when I was a kid. I played a little bit recently, but either way, pretty. Great I had a game. similar experience. I played a lot. Uh, I went backwards and did the math and looked at the cards I remember playing when I was a kid when they were actually printed. And if you had asked me before, I told you I would have said that I played when I was like ages ten to fifteen. Uh, I felt like that's when I played more or less. But when you look at the actual dates of the printing of the cards, it seems I played from age six to maybe nine or ten. Uh, I was like a, a young, young, young child, uh, and I would go to the mall and play on Friday nights, and my dad would sit outside the store to make sure that nobody abducted me, uh, <laughs> but I, it's funny, because in my head, I was like a peer of these like people in this game store, and they just beat me all the time, and I thought I was just bad at magic, but it turns out I was just a child that didn't know anything. Um, <laughs> I just it didn't feel it at the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I played as a kid for a long time. I got back into it uh, say about a year and a half ago now, um, and I've been playing ever since. And some people's criticism of the game is that it is basically just a cash cow. Uh, they, they criticize the game for being optimized to let them make a bunch of money off of it, which they definitely do. Um, it is, by many measures, the most successful like, non-video game ever made. Uh, it's been constantly developed and had new cards designed and been improved for you know 20 plus years. So it's, it's been around for a long, long time and worked on a lot. Lots of hours have been poured into it. I was a very large company it supports. Um, so it's a big enterprise. But that's um, not really a criticism of the game. Like you could, you could develop a thing for that reason and still make something great. Those are not mutually exclusive things. Oh, yeah. I, I don't agree with the criticism. But a lot of people say like, oh, so the way that magic works, which is uh, an, a unique feature of it, is you can play you know, casually with your friends with any cards you want. And there are all sorts of different kinds of formats you can play the game in. One thing that's really great about it is that it's really... Uh, it's, it's kind of like a game system is what the designer uses to describe what the now head designer uses to describe the the game as it's not one game you can play lots of different kinds of games with magic cards and they all resemble you know they have similar rules but different kind of structures um so yeah you can play casually with any number of cards but the way that they structured professional level play and there is a professional magic playing circuit and people that play magic professionally There's a netflix documentary about the magic circuit yeah there's there's a good one about the magic circuit on netflix there's also a decent like 30 minute one that uh, vice put together that just talks about the game history and kind of goes into some things for for layman which i think is worth watching if you're interested in finding out more um but yeah so the way that the the pro circuit works is you can only play with essentially the most recent cards that have been printed so uh, there's a different number of sets in standard detail stuff. Basically, you know, have 20 years of history, but you're only playing with two years worth of cards when you play at the professional level. And then every time I count with a new set, some other cards become no longer eligible for play in the most competitive, uh, most competitive places. Um, which means that if you're trying to play competitively, you have to constantly buy cards. They constantly are making more product and you just have to keep buying it. And that's how it's designed to be this amazing cash cow or whatever. Uh, and some people that are, will levy criticisms against the game will point to the fact that there are some cards that have just been reprinted a million times. They never bothered changing. It's just a card that works. So you can get a set that was designed two years ago 
and crack it open and the card is basically resembles exactly a card that was printed you know 20 years ago uh, and so people kind of point to that and say that they're just taking this idea and trying to cash in over and over again on it um, but something that i think is one of the biggest strengths of the game and this is i'm going to get into like why i think it's really great now uh, and there's details of the rules and stuff and if you haven't ever played try it out maybe uh i spent a good portion of my life not doing things that i thought i perceived to be nerdy um not i don't really consciously feel like it was me worrying about how it would look to others and like worrying about my my you know my appearance I think it was more that I just assumed it wasn't for me because mm-hmm. it was a nerd thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I regret any time I spent not like trying out new things that lots of people <clears throat> are really into because some of the things that are quote unquote like nerd stuff are really some of the best things because they're things that support you getting really invested in it because that's what that community of people does. They get really invested in things and commit to them. So if you haven't played for that reason that it seems like a nerdy thing to do and you like games at all, I'd recommend checking it out. But Oh gosh, where was I going? Oh, so um, one of the things that's great about it is that it's constantly changing, uh, which flies in the face of something I have pursued in other aspects of my life a lot, which is the idea of like the one right version of something. And it also touches on a theme that's been running through this podcast, right? Of me trying to seek goodness in things. And somehow people perceive that oftentimes as me trying to say there is one great version of something, right? There's just the best movie there's the best album there's the best dish and that's what we're all seeking and that's like this paradigm you know example of something uh, and what really makes this game great is that there is no one version of it in any sense there's no one way to play it there's no one deck that's the best there's no way you could possibly say any one card was the best it's just this big complicated ever-changing system and that is why it is good like if, if it was a static thing if they came out with 200 or a thousand or even 20,000 cars and just said that's it we're done uh people would kind of finish with it right you would figure out the cards you like you may play a couple games maybe you play for a year or two even uh but you don't it doesn't become a thing that you stay invested in because it doesn't have this kind of churn uh and the idea that a great thing could continue to change and that's what makes it great is kind of a novel thing i think we don't see that in many forms of art i think can i rephrase that a little bit though Please. Like, I feel like uh, a lot of the what I like about it, or the way I think about it, is that uh, it is uh, a system created to adapt to change, which is like the best kind of system. Like, if you're if you're a systems nerd, aren't you super excited about a system that keeps working after things change? Like, it's not all that exciting of a system if it just breaks the second anything is different. Uh, Like, as just just if you make a system that lives in the world then of course that's going to be the case. You make a bad system, it breaks. The second anything changes, the world changes. Therefore, I think that's why it's so exciting is because it's this like thing that was invented, I don't even know what, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? It was 93 was when the first cards were designed. So <laughs> Closer to 30 then. 25 years, I guess. Um, 24. The math, idea that, that this basic, because it's not like the system doesn't drastically change. Like They keep adding new cards and there are new abilities, uh, basic things, but the general idea of the game doesn't change all that much. Yeah. I think that's what's exciting about it is that uh, it's kind of built to adapt, which is the best part of any larger system. Yes, for sure. Uh, and in the details of that are interesting. Like Obviously, or maybe not obviously, they've had Many times over the course of the past 20-some years, they've had to change rules because things have changed. And basically, they've 
taken a game and, and tried to make it more approachable uh, and at the same time more deep for those that are invested in it and changed rules and mechanics to kind mm-hmm. of suit that both kinds of play um, over the course of the game's history. Um, so there have been changes, but, uh, but what you said is true, Matt, right? Like overall, the difference in gameplay from the very first set, which was called Alpha, to the latest set, which just came out two weeks ago, which is called Eldritch Moon, uh, it is very, it resembles exactly the same game. Well, Not I can, I mean, I can speak to this. Like I probably played, you know, I want to say I played when I was like 12, but based on what you said, I think it's you were probably, probably three and a half. like eight. <laughs> yeah. I think you just learned to walk. Like, I think I, I think the last time I played, maybe I was 10, and then we just recently played, like, a year ago, so what is that, over 15 years difference? I don't know, we're old now. Yeah, so that's uh, a little bit closer to 20 years difference. He's getting closer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been, I, I uh, took a leave of absence for 20 years, I got back into it, I knew all the rules, like, all the rules were the same, nothing, yeah. nothing changed except for the cards. You picked it up uh, immediately, uh, mm-hmm. it was, it was very little actual teaching of magic that had to happen. Yeah. Which is impressive, I think. So yeah, the game has not changed all that much. And yeah, Matt, that is the beautiful part, is that fact that this system that was put in place initially with significant modifications, you know, they changed a lot of things about the game, uh, has, has worked consistently for that long. My um, sliver deck doesn't work anymore. God damn it. I mean, uh, it gosh still darn would. it. It still would. They've printed more sliver cards too. Oh, you'd be, good. You'd be even, even stronger now. Oh, good. Um, so and th- that's the interesting thing. Something else that's, this is kind of a like tangent, but it's interesting, and I, I want to talk about this topic for the tangents. Uh, the game came about and came to popularity at exactly the same time that the internet came to popularity. So, like, there was really no period of time that the game was popular before there was no internet, and it like was co- coincided with the early days of maybe some like early adopters getting the internet in their houses, and then as the game has progressed and gotten more popular. Now there's an entire online version you can play. There's all kinds of digital versions of the game, um, which I find very interesting because something I would say about making anything is that you should take the best possible advantage of the medium at hand, right? If you're making a video game, a digital thing, Mm -hmm. you should use all of the capabilities of a digital thing that are going to be, you know, are are, are not available to you in some other medium. If you're not capitalizing on all those opportunities, your thing you're making is not as good as it could be. Right. And yet... (laughs) Uh, these things are the, the, the digital versions of magic are just what you expect pictures of cards on a screen on a fake table and you interact with them by clicking on them and you know doing things uh, and yet these games are incredibly popular and I think the thing that is interesting is to look at the perhaps perhaps more mainstream uh, game called Hearthstone which I have never played uh, though I know some people that play both magic and Hearthstone and it's been described to me as basically a simplified version of magic uh, so like some of the good things about it, not as much depth, but much easier to get into if you're just getting into it. And it's a, it's a video game entirely. And it's a video game with physical cards and you build a deck. And like, it's, it's interesting to me that that game is very popular. The Magic Online games are very, very popular. Um, some people, that's all they play, especially people that uh, live in other countries that maybe the game is not popular. They don't have a game store they can go to to play the game. Yeah. Uh, they just have started to play online and that's how they've come to know and love the game. Um, it's still extremely successful and a great game, even in this format that it wasn't at all intended for, which flies in the face of everything that I like to think I know and understand about the relationship between the medium and the artwork being made and how a tighter connection there means a better thing. Here it's like, well, maybe that doesn't actually matter at all because here's little digital cards on a screen and it just is great still. Well, could you, I mean, is game considered a medium? Uh, yeah, on a big, in a bigger sense, yeah. Because uh, in, like, in some ways it's just like, the idea of a game is 
like we're just we're just tapping into the idea of a game despite the fact that it's on a screen like the the medium is game and well it, it is working it is but the 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 magic version online is just full of skeuomorphism it's just like here are physical cards like the the, the game of magic is you have a set of rules that are randomly arranged that you have picked ahead of time and you're going to get some subset of these rules or modifications to these rules and you're going to decide to enact them based on other rules that say when you can and cannot enact them like if you abstract the game that much there's nothing intrinsically about the game that has to be cards right that's right. not why the game is interesting but i do to be fair i get it like that is also frustrating to me where you think well why is this why does that still work here because everything i think i know about how this thing works this is a bad idea right but somehow it's not well, it's, it's just interesting to me because uh, it, I find it freeing, actually, because while I'd like to try and find some semblance of rules for how to make a good thing, as this show is evidence of in spades, uh, it's encouraging to know sometimes that actually it doesn't, if you just have a good thing, maybe it just wins out over all the things you think are rules about what can be a good thing or not, right? Right, uh, right. And in, in this particular instance, maybe it's that, you know, they've been refining the mechanics and the designs of these cards for years. So that's a lot of work that goes into there. And maybe if you present it in a way that isn't even that great, uh, all the hard work that goes into the things that are great about the game shine through so brightly that it doesn't matter that you're looking at your computer and you're like clicking to move cards around, which seems like a, a bad gaming experience. Uh, it just kind of, you know, powers through that, which is kind of impressive, I think. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's one thing that kind of changed my perceptions about what made things good and bad. Uh, and again, the fact that it's kind of constantly changing is beautiful to me uh, and people have you know people will argue about the different sets of, they come up with, with a few sets every year which are new uh new groups of cards that are introduced into the game and people will argue about their favorite sets and the best sets and the worst sets and the most powerful sets and blah 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 uh and it's funny because if there wasn't bad sets if there weren't bad cards if there weren't cards that everyone hated and thought were annoying uh this whole thing wouldn't work right like this it works because it's a big vast diverse system and having all these different pieces and all this change and churn in that system creates a community around it because you get to talk about it all the time like it's a thing that you can argue about and you can discuss and you can express yourself by choosing which cards to play and what are the things you actually like and you know love about the game so it's interesting in that it, usually when i'm designing something or i'm uh, thinking about making something creative i'll try and like be as focused as possible right i'm gonna say all right so I'm trying to evoke some emotion. I'm trying to make some people think something. I'm trying to communicate something. What is the most like focused way I can do that? Uh, and some of the best art of any kinds leaves itself open to some kind of interpretation, right? Like, sure, you could say that so-and-so director set out to evoke a certain emotion with a particular movie, but if this group of people perceives it differently, that's not necessarily a knock on the art. It could be that right. it's just a great piece of art that people respond to differently. And this game, to me, is like the world's uh, most complex and like complete representation of that idea, that you can make something that is just vast and has lots of space in it, and people will find things for themselves that reflect what they care about, and they'll see what they want to see in these moving pieces in a way that is very beautiful. And it's, it's not that they did nothing, right? It's not that they just laid out all the options, and so people just did what they were doing in their normal lives anyway, and they can't claim any sort of influence over what people like and don't like. It's that they built a great thing. They recognized that if they put a lot of variability and a lot of uh, flux in a couple of these variables, uh, a couple of these different sort of details of it, that it could just be more of that great thing everyone liked. 
which that kind of depth and complexity and lack of like oneness is something that I kind of aspire to now, I think, in my work uh, in a way that I never even thought was a valid thing to think before getting into this game again. I can't think of anything else that has that except for Minecraft. Minecraft would be the other example where I poured more time than I care to share into like yeah a system that rewards you putting more time into it or like your interpretation of it. Um, not that yeah, like, you can just do what you want in Minecraft, interactive, right? right? Like there's plenty of games where it's interactive. You can customize a character or whatever, but it doesn't have that um, greater system that really rewards your investment in it. Um, Magic yeah. and Minecraft are two examples of that that do a great job. And you could say that, you know, the goal in Magic is to defeat your opponent or whatever. And you could say that the goal in Minecraft is not to die from the monsters. But right. In but, both these scenarios, you get to choose to play whatever kind of game you want, and you can turn off the monsters. And in Magic, you can play games where you're not going to try and kill your opponent. You're just going to try and outlast them. You're going to try and make them draw their entire deck. Uh, you're, you're not even going to bother attacking them. Uh, there's all <laughs> kinds of different things you can do. You can choose to play the game the way you want to play it, um, which here's a question for you, Matt. Is that something that is just confined to games? Like, because games are so interactive, like they're a thing you do instead of just absorb. Right. Is that why it's possible to do it in the way in which you want? Or is that same or similar idea available to us in other mediums? Can you, mm. watch, can you create a movie that's designed to be watched the way people want to watch it? Uh, can you make an album that people listen to and it's designed for them to hear what they want to hear or listen to it the way they want to listen to it? I mean, I guess you could say yes. And it's just about like how, how much someone's willing to put the time in. Like, I just think, I think a game's as unique because... Um, they're made for you to just pour time into um, in a different way than most of the mediums. It doesn't mean you can't. Uh, it doesn't mean you can't pour your time into other media and, and it, it works somehow, but like it's just not as intuitive. So, well, I, I don't know about that. I would argue the fact that Netflix now releases TV shows as entire seasons at once and it auto plays the next episode as soon no, as you no, stop I get doing that. it. I get that, but it doesn't have the thing of... Uh, investing your time and doing what you want it has investing your time but not doing what you want well that's what you want to be doing you want to be watching all the game of thrones or whatever no no but i'm saying games have have the combination of like you wanting to pour your time in and also interact with it or like change it somehow the like the combination of those assumptions makes this all possible whereas like a tv show doesn't have the second assumption music doesn't have the second assumption in the medium of paper, like that's not it's not a it's not about paper that makes it interactive, right? I don't know what you mean when you say about paper. I'm confused. I'm saying the assumption of a game is what makes it interactive, not the the medium of paper. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't see a reason it, it couldn't be a movie, but I can't think of an example of that. Yeah, it, it's definitely like it may, I feel like it's kind of the impression or illusion of like freedom, like yes. On a high level, at the end of the day, you spent 10 hours staring at a screen playing Magic Online, or you spent 10 hours staring at a screen watching, you know, Parks and Recreation or whatever. Right. So, like, what really is the difference? But in one thing, you feel like you are autonomous and independent and doing what it is you want to do. And in one thing, you feel like I'm just, you know, you, you are actually, like, on an existential level, autonomous and independent, and you are choosing to sit in front of that screen and watch Parks and Recreation, that you're making that choice still. Yeah. Uh, it's just interesting in that if what you crave is that feeling, whether it's what's actually happening or not, you don't get that feeling from watching a TV show or listening to an album or eating a meal 
uh, I don't know. And here's another good example. I like to try and cross threads as much as possible. Do it. The best restaurants I've ever been to uh, are the ones that have the shortest menu and the fewest options. And this, I think, is for a number of reasons. Uh, one is I think it seems fancy. Uh, we, know better <laughs> than you. we know better than you, so just eat what we tell you to. Yeah. Uh, another one is that in many situations, uh, making decisions or choosing something is like anxiety-inducing. It's a thing that is, decision fatigue is the thing people say about like if you have to make decisions too often, you just get tired of making them, and then all of a sudden, even a little decision like what do you want for dinner or should we go out for a walk now or later becomes impossible, and you just, I don't know, just whatever you want. Uh, that's the thing that happens to people because in some situations, choosing is very difficult. Also about food, uh, when you go to a place with a very short menu, you are almost certainly going to eat something that you would never have chosen off a bigger menu because the thing that is your comfortable choice, uh, we've talked about the idea of like comfort uh, culture on this show before, the thing that you would just go to because you know it's safe, it's reliable, it's probably not there. So you have to eat some different thing and then uh, you have amazing experiences when you experience new things. So that's an example I've kind of thought of in my head is like a canonical example of why, if you are a good artist, limiting choice, limiting options can be great because what you then do is take your audience on a journey they may not have gone on of their own volition. Maybe they would have just watched Parks and Rec and eaten Easy Mac and now instead they're doing something else and thinking something else they wouldn't have thought before. So is that example an example of why um, a movie is more easily a more exciting experience than a game. That's an example of why I still don't get the distinction between like, we think a game is much more compelling because you have this choice, you have this freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah. And yes, you could go to Cheesecake Factory and then order food from any culture imaginable off their menu that is 40 pages thick. But I'm saying that I think that is worse undeniably worse than the experience you have at a really nice restaurant where it's like the best restaurants you don't even order you just say like do you want the big the big thing or the little thing the full menu or the half menu and you say i'll take the full and then just great we're not even bringing a piece of paper there's six dishes you're gonna get them all and they're gonna come out and you have no choice at all literally well Uh, maybe what we're saying is that um a game a well-designed game is like getting a large menu where everything is fantastic. I, don't, I think that's kind of a... It would be possible to construct a menu where every single thing is great and just have more of it. That's possible. I don't think that's how great works, though. We've talked about the hedonic treadmill. I don't think everything can be great. Uh, and I also think that people are likely to make the choices that are safest, and the safest things like are never going to be if, the greatest It's as things. if you got a, a, your menu is a series of ingredients, but every single one of those ingredients mixes well. You know what I mean? Uh, you, could, you could do a version of that where, like, Hey, it's uh, pizza, toothpaste, and ice cream. You're like, well, that's terrible. I'll take the toothpaste <laughs> yeah. pizza, please. No, you have to pick. You have to pick multiple ingredients and combine them together. I care about gingivitis, uh, and then it's it's terrible, right? You could make a system that is terrible at that, or you could make a system that where every single one of those ingredients goes together, and that's why it's so exciting. A system that works that well and is is complex because that's very hard to do. Yeah, but that's not that's not how Minecraft and, and magic work. Like, you can't just take any cards and slop them together and be like, this is a great deck, I'm having fun. Although there is actually a format where you just open a booster pack, put in uh, one basic land of each type, and then play it. It's called Mini Masters. Um, don't worry, that's neither here nor there. So did you uh, just make your own point, or did you just ruin your own point? Both. I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm probably drawing a, a false connection, right? Like, this is probably two different things completely. Uh, I don't 
I, I realize I'm being ambitious by trying to like reach across culinary uh, expression <clears throat> and gaming and what like we do with every all episode. media and culture. I, I know I know it's ambitious, but I think sometimes you can find those little nuggets that make sense across all chicken of them. nuggets. The little chicken nuggets that just spawn in your game, uh, chicken a la king. The um, I think you can find those things sometimes, and that's what I want the show to be about is trying to find those things. So I don't know the the sort of. Uh, depth and variety of the game of magic and how that is one of the only things that I look to is like this is a great thing that has this aspect of it and this is the reason it is great undeniably like I, I would not be playing magic if they only came out with 200 cards it would not be interesting um, that is compelling to me uh, and I don't see it elsewhere that's why I'm trying to like pick it apart and figure out what's going on yeah there. I get it um, here's the other thing about magic is magic is a really complicated game as far as games go uh, it is not simple. It's meant for all ages, and they have like products they make where they put cards together in packages that are meant to be played for beginner players. But I've taught a number of people to play Magic, and it is not an easy game to learn. Um, and that is an interesting thing because I'm convinced with how much I've played, and there's also a great podcast by the head designer of the game. He talks a lot about the kind of decisions that go into how they make it. I'm listening to a lot of episodes of that podcast. I'm I'm fairly convinced that. The game is as simple as it can possibly be without starting to give up some of the interesting aspects of it, um, which is something else that kind of is related to some of the conversations we've had in the show about how much you can invest in something to appreciate it and how good or bad something can be if it requires that investment. Because uh, compared to something like we talked about, for example, uh, The Room on this podcast, before, right. the, the yes. bad movie The yes. Room. And how uh, I've had the experience of the more times I watch The Room, the more I seem to get out of it. Like, it's just a thing where once you've seen it, once you've read the book about it, and once you've watched Tommy Wiseau's videos on YouTube, and once you've read about his, like, huge business empire of importing things from Korea online, all of this stuff just enriches the experience and makes it better. But you can't obviously expect everyone to do that for The Room. Uh, And so this is one example where, like, the game of Magic, you can kind kind of play it, right? Like, you could play your lands, tap your mana, cast some spells. Uh, but you're not really playing what I would consider the game until you've amassed a significant amount of experience and knowledge about it. Like, it's complicated to learn the game. Uh, and so it's interesting to me that it is so complicated where so many people in so many industries strive for simplicity. And the idea that, like, a simple thing is a good thing. Like, we just need a simple blah, whatever it is. Look at every Kickstarter ever. Uh, they proclaim to be making, like, the simplest, greatest whatever. Cooler? Cooler the, is what you're saying? They put a bunch of features Cooler? on it. They put a bunch of features on it too, but like, <laughs> it's actually kind of, there's actually two kind of tropes there. One trope is the uh, version of X that has everything ever attached to it. And another trope is the, we finally made the perfect mm-hmm. X and it's just the simplest one ever and here's why we've been chasing this forever. I feel like we're in a culture that really prizes simplicity. Um, like Apple products are a great example of that, right? That whole company is built on the idea that uh, these things should be simple. Uh, you know, your phone should be simple. And I say all this in air quotes, because of course, it's the most complicated computer anyone's ever experienced, but the experience for the customer is supposed to be simple. You're not supposed to have to think about it. And with something like magic, thinking about it is all the fun. If it was simple, it would lose so much value to so many players. It would not be the kind of game it is now. Uh, It might still, a good example, um, some people are familiar with the Pokemon trading game, which was actually made by Wizards of the Coast. Uh, Basically, the Pokemon company was like, this thing's popular. We think we should make a trading card game. You all make the one trading card game everyone likes. Can you just make one for <laughs> Pokemon? And they kind of like dumbed down magic a little bit so that it was a little bit easier for younger people yeah. to play. 
and it's a game. I think people still play it maybe somewhere, uh, but I think a big reason that it has not had the lasting power and the lasting kind of cultural relevance that Magic has had, even though it's attached to a much bigger, much more popular uh, brand and uh, sort of cultural landmark, uh, is that it's just not as complex. It's not as interesting. It's not enough to think about. There's not enough room for you to figure things out and think about it, which is, again, that's the whole joy in magic is like, here's the thing to think about a whole bunch, which is weird. I don't know how to reconcile that either yet. There's part of me that thinks it's as simple as it can be for what it is. Therefore, that, that's why it works. Like if it, was, if it was like needlessly complex, it would suck. And a good example of that is like they have occasionally made new mechanics, like new rules for specific sets that they later on were like, that was just way too complicated. Like the complexity was not worth the payoff there. We just won't do that mechanic right. again. Uh, and they'll take those risks. There will be mechanics where it's like, this one just makes no sense. I still don't, like I still barely understand the mechanic cipher, no matter how many times I read the rule text for it. I just can't understand <laughs> it. Uh, so that happens sometimes. Uh, it's not that it isn't, on, on a whole, there are definitely pieces of it that like that was just too complex. We're getting rid of it. And they've had a couple major rules changes where they were like, this whole way the game is played is too complex. We're getting rid of that whole thing. Um, so over time, they've been simplifying it, and they can probably still trim a little bit of fat. But overall, like they're trying to make it as simple yeah. as they can, and it's still incredibly complicated. So in some ways, Matt, that's exactly the same, right? Like you, you might argue that a good movie or a good album is something that leaves you thinking about it. Maybe? I, generally, yes. I think we've generally agreed on that. I think that's a, an important thing, uh, is that it resonates with you in a way that sticks with you. So maybe that's the same. The kind of thinking you do about these things is very different, though, right? Like, I might ruminate on... Uh, I watched a great movie the other night, uh, movie recommendation time. Uh, it's a movie called uh, Five Centimeters Per Second, and it's this anime uh, made by a studio. It's run by this like one guy who's like kind of auteur-style. Like, he makes almost all the decisions, creative sort of direction things. And it's this very, like, incredibly beautiful uh, film where, like, every single frame of it could be a, a like, piece of art. Um, and it's a great movie. I spent some time thinking about it afterwards because it's great, a great movie. I think great movies do that to you. Um, but it's not the same kind of thinking that I spend thinking about magic. It's a totally different kind of yeah. thinking. Like, that kind of thinking is like, ooh, this made me feel a way or made me think something I didn't think before. I'm going to ruin that a little bit. I'm maybe going to keep kind of flashing back to some of the more beautiful moments of the movie that kind of struck with me but magic it's like i'm just just figuring things out in my spare my spare cycles in my brain like ooh, i wonder if i can build a new deck where i put these cards together and make this thing happen wouldn't that be interesting uh so it's a very different kind of thinking and i like i can see how some people would see it as like a bad thing like it's now a curse that you have to think about this thing now where (laughs) where before you were free to think about whatever you wanted uh it's just very rewarding like it it pays you back for that uh in my experience at least i think i think unfortunately we just agree on this one i don't know if i can fight you on this so i but so am i just being too ambitious in that i'm trying to find overarching things that apply to all these different areas is that uh i think that's the most logical explanation i try to do the same thing like i want everything to be the simplest version of something and that's the explanation as to why everything's good but it might just be that games reward complexity and other things. Uh, making a phone rewards simplicity or whatever. Making an app rewards simplicity. Um, because, well, I mean, the thing I've always thought about is the difference between making a game and making an app is that, uh, one, you don't really want to be use there. it. And the other, you do want to use it, you know? Uh, one, yeah. is, one is rewarding because you spend less time doing it, and one is rewarding because you spend more time doing it. Maybe that's all it is. If it's rewarding, spend more time doing it. 
complexity works if it's rewarding to spend less time doing it i mean if it's just your taxes like you can simplify your taxes spend less time doing it awesome that's great spend more time playing minecraft or magic awesome that's great that could be an acceptable answer you know no i think that thing is definitely true that you said um here's one of the reasons why i maintain my optimistic view that like lessons are transferable right that whatever has allowed these people to make this great card game is something I can also apply to my life making whatever it is I make. Uh, the reason I find that to be so true is, and Matt, you and I are graphic designers. We don't talk about Whoa. it on the show that much, hey, but we are. Don't, don't tell um, everybody. I know. Secret. Yeah, I'm out in us both oh, right God. here right now. Uh, so we operate in a very different world from the world of game design, right? Like <laughs> You, you see our thing, you didn't want to. We made you see it. Sorry. Well, no, I mean, that's the thing. Is like, like you said, all of the work I do at my job is, for the most part, either here is a thing I, as a business entity, would like to force on some people, right? I want to yeah, sell my absolutely. thing to them. I want them to get yeah. this message. I, they don't want it. They don't know they want it yet. I want them to both see it and want it. I want to sort of broadcast this into their, into their brain space. Uh, or it's, here's a functional thing that has to happen that people aren't going to enjoy doing. They're not going to necessarily not enjoy it, but it's not a thing they're doing for pleasure. It's a thing they're doing out of necessity, out of sort of practicality. And we need to make that thing happen uh, as easily as possible, usually. Um, so you would think that, given that our goals are very different, right? Like our goals in my industry are make everything as simple as possible, make everything as fast as possible, remove any unnecessary steps, remove any unnecessary complexity, like simplify, simplify, simplify. You would think that any rules or most rules that applied to designing a great game would not be applicable to designing whatever it is I'm designing. So tell me why that's not true. And yet, Matt, uh, the head designer of, the current head designer of Magic, who's been the head designer for 16 years now, I think, most of the game's life, um, he does a lot of uh, work in public. He does a lot of lectures. He has a podcast, like I mentioned, that I listen to pretty regularly. He writes an article every single week. Uh, he's a very public figure. Um, and he recently gave a lecture at the Game Developers Conference, GDC, uh, where he talked about the 20 rules of game design. He's, you know, he likes making lists of things. This guy is like, he's a weird person for me because he does a lot of things that I would say on the face of it are things that I really don't like or rub me the wrong way. Like he loves making like listicles of stuff. And to me, it's like so arbitrary. Why, why you put this thing in a list of 20? Why are there 20, not 21? He's like, yeah, people like lists. I don't care. <laughs> I, I just do it. Uh, he also like loves inventing words, which I have such a uh, problem with. Anyway, he gave a lecture. Uh, 20 rules of game design and talked about all these different rules and every single one of them was either something that I had learned myself a different way and had known to be true of the kind of work I do or was something that I hadn't really considered before but makes total sense and does actually apply to the work that I do. So the ways in which he's thinking about designing his game, at least the 20 rules he's laying out for us, are rules that are completely applicable to my work and yet I look at the reasons I like the finished product and it's hard for me to make those connections with the other things that I like. And this is not going to become a podcast where we go through and list these 20 rules. It's a different thing. You go look it up uh, if you're interested. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. But uh, those rules are all similar. And when I, when I read a book by Rene Redzepi, who is a famous chef that, you know, uh, runs this, like, super high-end fancy restaurant with, you know, three Michelin stars, I, I do nothing in my—I I cook in my kitchen, but none of my creative work is like being a chef. And yet, when I listen to him explain his process, listen to him talk about the things that he— thinks about when he's in the kitchen, when he's trying to be creative, how he sets limits for himself. All of it is either, again, things that I do or things that I look at and say, that seems like a good idea. I'm going to try and do that. So I, I see these connections. And then it seems to me like the points where 
there isn't a connection where there's like, ooh, here's a thing I like, and it's incongruous with the other things that I like, and I can't draw a thread there. Those seem like the exceptions more than the rule to me. So when I look at this thing and I'm like, I love this thing because it's deep and complex and has infinite variations and variability, and there's nothing else that I love for that reason, like, why? If, if I love this game, why don't I also love, you know, dressing in like a weird high fashion way where I have, you know, all kinds of bright pants and like, you know, patterned shirts and like really fun stuff because that variability and that sort of expression is really important. Like, why don't I, why don't, why instead do I just have jeans and like boring blue button up shirts? Maybe that's, maybe uh, you maybe would that's think a version that, of a deck that works really well. I guess, I mean, I, that, that's a way to draw the connection, but I don't know. You would think that if I liked the variability there and liked that sort of complexity. Like if you're wearing if you're wearing these like absurd shoes and pants that don't work very well and you keep tripping and falling, but it's very individual. Uh, I feel like the version of that in Magic where it's really weird. It's got all the colors, but you can never cast a spell. Yeah, you should see my decks. They're kind of <laughs> similar to that. My, my, my deck building is very... Uh, very contrarian. I don't like to build a deck that seems now imagine obvious. Imagine you were so like, like we were wearing like bell bottom pants and like really really high heels, and you just keep falling over. But you're like, I look great, but I'm that's I keep pretty tripping. close to what my deck do. But, some, but sometimes everything comes together, and I just prance down the runway with my bell bottom pants and my high my platform shoes, and everything works out perfectly <laughs> against all odds. And then it's a glorious moment. Um, I don't know. It's just it's weird for me to reconcile the fact that I seem to pursue very different innate i find very different innate things valuable in this different system which you know usually in life i can say like yeah i try and find the like one shirt that works and i get a bunch of that shirt or you know i, I have a couple different shirts but they're all very straightforward shirts that are flexible and i can wear every single day and that's true of you know the house that i live in and that's true of the bike that i buy to get to work on and that's true of the software i try and use that's true of so many things. Like, try and find the simple thing that just does the job. Uh, and again, maybe the distinction is just as simple as you described, like practicality versus expression. Uh, clothes, like you need to wear clothes. I, I guess that's a good point. If I didn't have to wear clothes, I probably maybe would. <laughs> like, I, I am definitely approaching clothing as a practical thing. Uh, the only expression in it is that I'd like to express that I'm not uh, an idiot that never thought about my clothes. But beyond that, that's about it. I like them to fit, and I like them to look uh, reasonably respectable, but it's not a form of self-expression for me in the same way that this particular. You game don't have is. to play magic. You do have to dress for the winter. Sorry. <sighs> yeah. What other things do I do that I don't have to do? Uh, not have a dishwasher. True that. <laughs>